Hello and welcome to series two of my DIY handbook. If you just discovered me and this podcast, welcome along. And if you've been rocking with us since series one, then welcome back. This podcast is for the creative, the freelancer, the entrepreneur, those who have ideas that they want to get off the ground. I'm a DJ, broadcaster and label owner, and I've been working in the music industry for over 10 years. And this podcast is all about me sharing what I've learned so far and continue to learn. So hopefully it will help and equip you for what may come on your journey to your dream career. In series two, we'll be exploring rejection, money, well-being, contracts, value and more. I'll be joined by a variety of guests who I admire, some who've been on a similar journey and some who are bona fide experts in those challenging areas. So I hope you enjoy our conversations and you can take away gems of advice and food for thought. If any of these episodes resonate with you, then feel free to get in touch. Give us a follow on Instagram, DIY underscore handbook underscore, or follow me directly at Jams Supernova. All right, let's dive in. How in tune are you with your body? Do you eat enough? Do you sleep enough? Do you rest enough? Do you work out? Often it feels like just another thing that you have to think about and sometimes when you're building a dream career, it's one of the things that falls to the wayside. But burnout is real and you can't give 100% if you don't feel 100%. In this episode, I speak to fitness and lifestyle coach Adrian Herbert. You may know her from socials as Adrian London. She's an avid podcaster. She hosts the Power Hour. She's an author, a TEDx host, an Under Armour runner, and I love this, director of innovation at Fit, the fitness app. This lady means business. Her work and performance speak for themselves. Here she is to give us a massive injection of motivation. Adrian, it's a pleasure to be reuniting with you. We were just saying that two years ago I came on your amazing podcast, Power Hour. Um, you've written books. Um, you are a fitness and wellness professional. I love this title of your job, the Director of Innovation and Performance for the brand Fit. A yes. weighty title indeed. It is, right? And I think actually it's interesting because... Um, I think job titles, especially if you work in a startup, so fit is a technology and fitness startup. So I think in the world of startups, people can kind of have these titles and often people don't know what they mean. And actually, um, Apple did a feature on the role that I have at fit, especially because there's not a lot of women in tech companies. And my son, uh, who's 10 years old, he saw the feature and he said, director of innovation and performance. He was like, what's that? You know, just (laughs) straight away, just like, what's that mean? And so I tried to explain to him that essentially it's about problem solving, trying to find and create new innovative ideas and solutions for problems because whatever the industry so yes it's a fitness app but so there's barriers there we know what they are they've always been the same you know for decades around people's barriers to fitness to accessing fitness to remaining motivated to reaching their goals to weight loss to strength it's it's hard the reality is getting fit and staying fit is hard so where the innovation part comes in is it's kind of looking at those barriers and saying okay in a digital world with all of the access that we have with all of the tools available to us with all the smart people and engineers that can build these incredible experiences and apps my job is to kind of link the two together and say Mm. okay how can we solve this problem for people in a way that's going to make it easier for them and going to make it enjoyable and going to make it an experience that they that anyone can access anywhere through their phone or through the TV. So he thought that was pretty cool. He was quite impressed with the director of innovation title. 
I'm impressed as well, especially you mentioned your son was a gamer. So it sounds quite, you know, like it sounds it sounds quite techy. That's yeah, what I would yeah. say. And um, the reason why I wanted, wanted to get you on was obviously, yeah, like I said, I loved our chat. I love what you do. I love how you've taken your love of, of fitness and turned it into, you know, an incredible career. Um, and I wanted to kind of pick up from a chat that I had in season one of the DIY Handbook with Katarina Johnson-Thompson, um, the Olympian athlete. And I wanted to try and compare with her um, how we could take, you know, in a creative sort of entrepreneur way, how we could take bits of the mind of an athlete and apply it into uh, day-to-day lives and personal lives, both yeah, professionally and personally. And that's something that you kind of, um, you know, you talk about, you do, it's in your book, um, the quotes that you put out on, on your Instagram, it's all kind of linking the two, you know, it's not just about fitness and wellness. It's kind of a, a lifestyle coach as well is what you do in terms of getting people to their maximum potential, mm. right? Combining all these things. Um, so I wanted to start with, I guess, have you always been health focused? Because it can be easy to, to I guess, be dismissive. You know, it's hard to compare yourself to Katarina Johnson Thompson. She's <laughs> she's an, an athlete. It's really hard to do that. You know, well, she's an athlete. Of course, she'd think like that. But have you always been health focused? Yes, it's really, really interesting question because you're right. When it comes to the approach that I take in my own life and also what I try and share and encourage others to do, it's definitely, you know, you're right on the money. It's linking those two things together. So I often talk about, you know, I do endurance running, I do half marathons, marathons. So I often talk about the endurance athlete mindset and how that is so relatable to everything that we're trying to do in our lives, whether it is, you know, starting a company, writing a book, raising a family. There's always... I guess seasons, just like if you're an athlete training, there's seasons in your life, seasons where one season might require dedication, focus, you know, grit, and you're just focused on one thing. And for example, studying for a degree or, you know, the first year of interning in your new job. But then there might be another season, just like with an athlete, there's a season of competition, there's a season of rest, there's a seat, there's all these different seasons, and they're not trying to do everything at the same time. So when I think about the endurance athlete mindset around, you know, the relentless pursuit that you need to have as an endurance athlete, to train consistently to show up again and again you know whatever the conditions whatever you're feeling to show up again and again to ultimately get to that finish line which is a long way off it might be months away weeks away but that relentless pursuit is again I think you know the grit the determination that applies when you are working in a startup or when you are writing you know uh, your book there's all these kind of crossovers in in the mindset piece so when you ask me you know have I always been you know health focused or fitness focused I think I think I've always been, maybe my personality is just like an all or nothing. I innately, when I do something, I want to do it a hundred. I don't dabble. I've always been like that as a child. If I picked up a guitar and said I was going to learn, I wasn't like, oh, I'll play with it for five minutes. I was like, I'm going to be sitting here for eight hours. You know, I just was like, that's, I've always had this kind of relentless laser focus, but it hasn't always been specifically on health and fitness. I think it's just that whatever I'm doing, I'm doing it a hundred, you know? So I think when it first, for running again, as an example, when I first started running, so at school, I guess I did athletics, you know, I did sprint, but when I started running later in my life, you know, out on the road, I was not a runner, you know? I just basically was like, okay, if I can try, I'm going to go. Then like I said, me being me, it's like, okay, if I'm going to do 20 minutes, I'm going to do 20 minutes every single day and try and get better. And then I was like, okay, if I can do 5K, maybe I can run 6K. If I can run, maybe I'll sign up for 
a race. Maybe I'll sign up for a half marathon. And it's kind of this thing of confidence that develops, I think, over time through doing. Because, you know, you could read all day long about running or push-ups, but you don't get the benefit until you do the practical application. Mm. So I think I apply that to everything, whether it's learning, skill acquisition, you know, negotiation, whatever it is. I'm like, I build my confidence through doing it again and again and again in that repetition. So yeah, haven't always been, you know, health and fitness hasn't been my life. Like I didn't grow up, um, you know, in, in an athletic family or anything like that. But I think the relentless pursuit, the athlete mindset, I think I've always had that. Yeah, yeah. And and it's interesting, you know, I guess the things that you, you, you do sort of at various points in your life, like I know that you used to dance and you used to dance, you know, do, do dancing shows and things like that. Um, and then, you know, different areas of your like life take over. Like I used to play football. Um, I played football up until I was 16 years old. And there's definitely the elements of com- competitiveness, but also learning how to lose because you ultimately it's a team game. So there will be times when you could have played your absolute heart out, but you're still going to lose how to be, you know, a good sport, um, how to interact with, with different characters uh, on the pitch. There's definitely sort of things that I have taken um, into my life. But there was there have been moments where despite me having been athletic as a young person up until that point, then there was probably, I would say, the next 10 years of my life after that, after stopping playing football, where I pretty much did nothing fitness wise you know I kind of really closed that chapter to never really return to it fully and it was only I would say from probably I would say actually in the last two two to three years that I've been going on a journey back to to fitness I've had Mm. to come sort of um back around to it um and I can't believe I had that big chunk of time where I didn't do anything or I didn't actively um, pursue anything because it's taken mm-hmm. me to know that it's what I need, not necessarily just for my body, but actually like I needed it for my for my mind. You know, I needed it. Um, like working out is so imperative to me for so many different um, reasons. Like I used to use it, um, you know, when I was working as a way to to bookend the bookend the day or to break up the day. Yeah. So. I would, um, I'd have a long day on a Tuesday where I'd have my live radio show that evening. And um, the only way I could get through the day was going to Zumba a couple of hours before. I'd go to Zumba, I'd have a shower, and then I'd come back, I'd brush my teeth, and then I'd come back and do the show and start the show at, at 10 p.m. Yeah. Um, and that, that, that for me, having that evening activity after having a day of meetings or a day of doing other stuff, was like resetting and be having the energy to go again. It was the same sort of in the pandemic, you know, actually before I start the day, let me work out as, the, as a little bit of time for me. So I'm not just mm. sitting at this desk for, you know, however many hours. And then even like on a kind of sort of mental health way, I feel like I can be like, you know, you're fighting fires all the time um, in, in certain aspects of, 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 of our jobs and, Sometimes I feel like I'm constantly like fighting, fighting people and having had somewhere else to sort of get that energy out stops me from sending real nasty emails. <laughs> I can pause and I can think and I'd be like, no, OK, cool. Let me come back to that. But yeah. without the fitness side of things, I'm like, Rah, dragon, you know, Leave you me got energy. yeah, fuck you. Ah, you know, <laughs> <laughs> when you started your fitness journey, what sort of parallels did you notice um, 
in your personal and professional life then? So when you did start running, how did it sort of infiltrate into those areas? Well, you know what? I want to loop back to this question because as you were talking, I was thinking two things. One is that you, you, you know, it's interesting. You mentioned that there was that competitive element, you know, playing football, you're competitive. And then when you stopped, you you did nothing at all. And um, so two things. One is I was thinking like sometimes it's innate in us. If we're competitive people, then everything we're doing and also the world kind of perpetuates this idea that everything we're doing has to have an end result. So, for example, you have to be, you know, it's monetized, it's your job or you're a professional or it's a competition. So this idea of just doing things for fun, like, for example, just playing sport because it's fun or just doing any activity, just drawing or singing or anything that we don't, you know, everyone will say, okay, well, if you're good at that, you should film it, put it on YouTube or you should sell that or you should. So if you're not doing that, sometimes if you're a competitive person, it's almost like, okay, let me just not do it at all. You know, like you said, you didn't do anything. And also I think it's often with fitness and anything physical like it can become a part of your identity so if you if you play football you're a footballer if you dance you're a dancer if you yoga you're a yogi so it's this identity as well that I think sometimes we it's quite binary we, we like to you know think of things and put people in boxes so then if we're not doing it it's quite interesting that you just had that complete polarization of like okay I'm not doing anything for what did you say like 10 years yeah basically and I and I think it was a little bit because I knew that I couldn't give it the time that I wanted. So if I'm not going to, if I ain't going to play properly, I ain't going to play. You see, that, exactly, because that's your mindset, right? It's similar, like I said, all or nothing. But if anyone else, you know, listening is thinking, oh, yeah, actually, that's that's me. I, I don't know. I just really want them to think about that, kind of interrogate why. Because, yeah. yeah, interrogate why. Because especially as we get older, like I think as, as kids, you know, I mentioned I've got a 10-year-old son and they'll just do so many things. They're less they're less inhibited. It's like they'll go to swimming, they might go to dance, they might go to football, they might do athletics and they're not training, you know, not some are, but they're not training to become professional or be the best. They're just doing it and we encourage them as parents to just try loads of things. But then as we get older, I think obviously demands on our time changes and also perception and the world changes us. And so I think, yeah, if that's you, like interrogate why, because you don't have to do it the most you don't have to be the best you don't have to be in a team it doesn't have to become your identity you can do things like do you remember hobbies do you remember people used to just do <laughs> things for fun um, and if movement is one of those things then great right because as you said all those benefits mental health physical health um and I guess that brings me on to your, your question which was around like how did it impact me uh when I first started running and and honestly jams like this is no exaggeration to say that it changed my entire life it changed my entire life I was a new mum Jude was less than a year old maybe 10 months and I'd had a really difficult year my, my husband at the time he'd been ill and I think maybe I'd lost a bit of my identity because I was young when I had my son and not a lot of my friends were none of my friends were having babies so I think maybe I wanted to find a bit of a new identity as well and yeah, it's carving out time basically to run. That was probably the only time in my day when A, I had solitude because as a new mum, you know, you've got this little wonderful, beautiful baby, but they're with you all the time, 24 hours a day. It's like you learn to do everything with one hand because they're just attached to you. So it, my run was my only time when I could have solitude. And again, you know, I think... I think now a decade on the narrative for women and mothers is changing but it was definitely this idea that you know you're supposed to love every single minute and you know why would you want to have time for yourself like it's so selfish it's so self-indulgent um so yeah I think having a bit of time to yourself like is really essential and necessary and important and then also I think because I was 
by myself, I was listening to a lot of, I just discovered podcasts and this is 10 years ago. So I just discovered podcasts, audiobooks, and I just felt like I was on this new exploration of learning new things and listening and thinking, okay, I want to learn more about that. And it just felt like this whole new, it gave me time and space basically to think, to be creative, to be curious, to even in the sense of the literal sense of finding new places to run. I was exploring new places. And then as that grew over time, over years, you know, signing up to races in different countries, you know, I've run in honestly so many countries around the world, different temperatures, different cities, different humidities, you know, everything from Paris to Barbados, San Francisco and running, I was exploring new places. And honestly, I, I, I can't stress to you how much it did change my life, but it, it basically made me reevaluate what was possible for myself and for my entire life. Wow, that's so powerful, isn't it? You know, and it, I guess it, it sounds we like you know how could, how could running just do that? But it really did. Yeah, and and, it, and you know, kind of, it went on to birth this whole new career for you. You know, yeah. um, which you which you which you've turned into a beautifully successful career. Um, and there's so much hustling involved, and I and I and I and I. I think about, you know, you being a mama married at 22, which feels so young, you know, when you sort of think back now. Um, and then launching this, you know, this kind of, I've got to start running and then now making a career out of it. There's so much hustle involved, the hustle of being yourself, a wife, a mother, and then launching this brand. I think there's like a sort of dangerous, unsaid discussion around if you ain't hustling, you ain't doing shit. Um, like if if um, I'm awake when everyone's sleeping so I get stuff done I'll sleep when I'm dead yeah. and I remember you know that a lot of people saying that especially as a DJ and in the music industry like it was all about trying to out hustle each other who's working the hardest you'd be up at 1am because you'd be like they ain't about it they ain't up you know without actually realising how harmful it is on your body so I guess I, w- I wonder when did you notice that the hustle environment can become damaging? Mm, Yeah, that's, I mean, nodding my head to everything you're saying. And it's kind of the other way around for me, because for anyone who knows, you know, my book, my podcast, it's the power hour, which is the first hour of the day. So in some sense, you know, people might assume that's what it is, you know, get up early, do more, be more productive, you know, more, more, more. When actually it's kind of the opposite It's saying, you know, yeah, start your day with the thing that you want, choose you and reclaim some of that time before, as you said, the rest of the world is kind of expecting you to be available you know work whatsapp kids emails social media whatever so my first hour is you know before that but I certainly didn't do the kind of other end so I think that's the you know the late nights as you said the up till 1am like I didn't do that so I think that was the first thing was I was kind of like you know what I got really strict and really disciplined about my evening like my evenings and you know, I'm quite a binary person when I make a decision. So if I was like, okay, I want to build something and I want to go hard and build it. And I know that although I don't, I don't advocate for the hustle culture at all, what I do advocate for is the reality of hard work and people knowing what hard work looks like, because sometimes I think it gets lost in this chasm in between. So it's like hustle culture's here, self-care is there, and we have to belong to one camp because we can't, you know, there's no nuance. So for me, it was like, no, Adrienne, that you've got big ambition, you want to do these things and they're hard. And as you said, you're a mother and you've got other commitments. So for me, it was like, do you want to stay up and watch TV? 
Do you want to scroll on your phone? Do you want to scroll through ASOS? Or do you want to go to sleep and get up and get to work? So I was quite binary in that sense. And people don't always want to hear that because of course it's nice at 10 o'clock to like, I don't know, watch Love Island or have another glass of wine or and I'm not saying people shouldn't do those things. Of course, do those things. Your life is to be lived. You've got to enjoy yourself. But again, as I mentioned, this idea of seasons, there's seasons for everything. And there's seasons for me. I've decided that there's seasons for going to bed early, getting up early. If I'm training for a marathon, I am not going to enjoy getting up to train if I am exhausted. So it's like, get your butt to bed. But then also the seasons of you know, where I'm not doing that, the seasons where I might be researching something and I'm reading loads or I'm, um, you know, it might be seasons where I'm on holiday or I'm with my son, like the, the school holidays, the six week school holidays this year was a perfect example of that. You know, it was swimming, bike rides, playing Nintendo Switch. So I think, it, I think the problem is when we're trying to layer all of those things and do them simultaneously. So it's like, okay, be the mum, do the fun things, do the swimming trips, do the go to the park, take the scooter, do all the things, record podcasts, write your book, do so, do them all at the same time. And I think that's the problem. It's like you said, that mm. unconversation, the conversation there needs to be, yes, you can do anything you want. I'm the person who will encourage you all day and say, no dream is too big, but you cannot do everything you want to do at the same time. Yeah. So just be okay with that. Like which season are you in right now? And do it hundred percent, give it your everything. And then when it changes, focus somewhere else. I love that. I, I have a saying that not all plates can spin at the same time. You know, right. they literally can't. And if you're trying to spin them all at the same time, you've got to do, one's going to break or one's not spinning fast enough. So something's going to take take a hit. And I think it's interesting that you said about um, the, the bedtime thing and going to bed earlier. Mm. And it was so weird. I went from being this like crazy, you know, night owl who would stay up till late and um, I'd want to get my work done, finish work about midnight, then I'd want to watch TV. So really, I'm not going to bed sometimes till 3am, but then I'm not getting up until 10am, 11am. And it's just this sort of like cycle. Um, and I started to realise that when I was trying to do work late at night, I'm not actually that good at it. I'm not, it's taken me hours to do small little itty bitty tasks. Hmm. And um at the beginning of 2020, I said to myself, like, I was just like, I can't, I can't live like this anymore. Something's not working. I'm working hard, but I'm not working smart. Yeah. So I decided that I was, I mean, my partner as well, we both used to have late nights together. So we decided that we'd start going to bed earlier and waking up earlier. And those, that, that, that golden time, sometimes between seven and nine, before anybody is up or in the office, I can get so much shit done. All those things that were taking me hours to do on the other side of the working day, I can yep. get done in that time and be efficient and be clear headed mm. and smash and it's, through and it. it's not easy, right, Jams? This is the thing. You know, I work with them. Um, I, I mentor some young people through a Hackney based charity. And when I say to them, you know, they tell me that they're on their phones, you know, they go, they're on their phones till maybe one o'clock, two o'clock, and they have to get up for school. You know, they're, they're in secondary school. And it's not easy. I think this is the thing is the world is tempting us to stay up, you know, Instagram, Netflix. There's Never always sleep. something there that's just like, oh, five more minutes, one more episode, you know, refresh the Twitter. There's always just that temptation. So I'm not saying it's easy. It's not. But I mm. think the challenge is to kind of say, what is it costing you? Really like true, no BS, write it down. What like, so only you have to see it. What is it costing you? And I'm not just talking, you know, I'm talking money. I'm talking about energy, time, you know, what is it costing you? Because then you can see, okay, it's costing me this. 
is it worth it? And then you make mm. the choice, right? We're all adults. There's no, there's no punishment, you know, go to bed early, get up early. Like as if, especially with me, you know, I'm up really early. So people would see that as a punishment, setting their alarm, getting up in the dark. But it's not a punishment for me because I'm like, this is a choice. You make a choice and it's not easy. But I think, like I said, was it costing you? And is it worth it? Because the alternative for me isn't worth it. Like I said, staying up and then not getting, feeling frantic, feeling exhausted, not getting any time for myself, you know, constantly feeling like I've got, as you said, like loads of plates or a to-do list that's always, always there, but you're never getting ahead of it. For me, it's not, it's not worth it. And what's your optimum um, sleeping hours? Because I know this varies. And, and I think with like technology, it's been really great. Like on my phone, I can, I can, you know, move the thing around. And I know that whatever time I go to bed, what time to kind of roughly, you know, wake up. Because I know that's like my optimum sleeping hours for me. Yeah, seven, seven, seven and a half hours. And I saw someone tweet something once when I first actually put out um, season one of this podcast. They were like, does Jam sleep? And I was like, yes, I sleep a lot. I love yeah. sleep. Sleep is my yeah. best friend. Like it's become my best friend, but I, I, I get those hours in. So what's your optimum sleep time? Yes. I mean, cause I've been doing it for so long and people might laugh at this, but mine is like 10, 10 PM, Ooh. which I know literally my sister's like going out for dinner at 10, but it's 10 PM until 5.45. And because How I've been doing it for that? so long, it's like, yeah, it's just under eight hours because I've been doing it for so long. Mm. I wake up, you know, at that time, I feel refreshed, I feel clear headed. And again, I keep going back to this athlete, you know, mindset and kind of we mentioned about uh, the athlete you had on before. I've interviewed a lot of athletes on my show as well. And we talk about sleep a lot because over the last few years in 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 sports specifically, there's been a huge focus on sleep and recovery for performance. And actually athletes that really have kind of focused on this and found that, you know, when they're jumping a personal best or when they're they're racing a personal best, and it can be down to seconds, it can be down to centimeters, and they're tracking and noticing that there's a direct correlation between sleep and high performance. You can't deny it. So if it's that important for an Olympic athlete who's at the top, top, top of the game, like those 1% marginal gains, like I said, it's one centimeter between a gold medal and a bronze or no medal at all. So if it's that important for someone at the top of their game, then how important and how impactful is it on us who are, you know, your decision making, your, uh, whether it's concentration and ability to focus, energy levels, mood, appetite your actual your hormone system everything is impacted when you're sleep deprived it's it's insane actually that we kind of go through a lot of people actually you know they live their life sleep deprived and we've kind of we think it's normal to be dependent on coffee or to have headaches and take paracetamol or to have I don't know bloating and breakouts and we think it's normal because it's just like oh yeah me too I'm exhausted because that's you know life got to work but really it's wild that that bar has been set for us as quote unquote normal when actually if that was your child telling you you know I have headaches I'm tired uh, you know the the child just bloated you, you wouldn't be like oh it's normal have an ex- have an espresso <laughs> you know get to school you'd be like my child is sick but we are just kind of saying, oh, it's fine to live like that. And yeah, again, it sounds easy. It's not easy, but it's worth it. You know, your your health, your state of mind, your mental and physical health will suffer a lot if you don't sleep enough. 100%, definitely. And and it ebbs and flows. You know, I guess it depends on the nature of your work. Because if, 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 if for me, you know, I know, I know, for example, on the weekend, I've got a gig I'm going to play a gig. I'm not going to get home till, you know, 6am 
uh, after I travel back from from the gig, and I'm probably still naturally going to get up at my normal time on the Sunday. Um, but I know that I'm going to make back up that sleep by having the routine in yeah. the week. Yeah. Whereas, you know, back in the day that I would have probably still had that, then not been having that sleep. And by the time I would have got to Wednesday, Tuesday, mm. I'm feeling really awful. And something that you mentioned was bloating. Now, um, and I think it's something that I spoke to you about in the podcast um, as I was trying to work out what it is. I used to get really bloated. And I realised that actually when I would get the most bloated... Um, to the point like crippling, like want to go home, I'm bloated, I'm in so much pain, I can't stand up, um, come home, put, a, just go to bed, that was it, just go to bed because I can't stand this pain anymore and I know I'll be gone by the morning. And um, it would, the worst day it would be was on those Tuesdays, which is like, was my longest working day. Hmm. Um, and, I, and, I, and I went to go and see um, a sort of specialist that, she said, I'm not even going to test you. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna ask you to do one of those tests. I think it'd be a waste of your money because I can kind of see what this is. And she was like, "It's caffeine, and it's gluten." She was like, "On the weekend, you're touring, you're gigging. What are you eating? Mostly gluten, glutinous stuff on the road at the airports. So that's one thing. So by the time it gets to the Tuesday, you think, "Oh, I ate pasta on Saturday. It hasn't affected me. Still in your system till you know Tuesday. That's when you're going to have the breakout." And she was like, "And it's caffeine." And obviously on a Tuesday, I'd be drinking tea, coffee all day long, wow. all the way through the day up until that last show, which was at 10, 10 p.m. Yeah. Um, and just the little tweak in food made such a difference. Um, in cutting back, I have one caffeine drink a day. Yeah. Um, I still eat gluten because it's so hard, <laughs> but I'm my I'm a mindful gluten eater, you know, for yeah. the most part. And you're part. aware of it, right? So like I'm you said, aware. about choice, you're aware. I'm going to take the hit when I yeah. want it. But yeah. for the most part in the week, I've got my gluten-free bread, I've got my gluten-free pasta. Um, you know, I've got all of my alternatives and I managed to get a hold and get a control of the bloating. But I never mm. really understood food. I'd never, no one ever taught me about food and and when you're working in in a in a creative industry or as an entrepreneur it's kind of eat on the go eat when you're out you just you don't even know what you're putting in your body yeah yeah what's your food journey been like yeah well you know what it's interesting because you mentioned very briefly that I used to be a dancer so I used to be in the west end and actually that's a that's a late gig right so you're doing a musical I was in we were rock you at Tottenham Court Road Dominion Theatre every night two years and you're getting home yeah midnight and you don't have to be in the theatre until you know 5 6 p.m so you've got your whole day to do what you like and so then I was young you know I was 21 and honestly I ate so much sugar I love sugar I've always loved sugar I honestly I grew up I don't know how I have I don't know these are my real teeth and I don't know how because growing up me and my siblings it's almost like a joke now we look back and we're like how did mum actually let us go to bed eating biscuits eating sweets drinking milkshakes you know, did you ever make used to make Nesquik milkshakes oh, where, where we just yeah. like put tablespoons of Nesquik into cow's milk and drink it before bed I don't even think I was brushing my teeth literally <laughs> so yeah. a lot of sugar and I remember when I think back to my days in in the West End my dressing room table so you have your dressing room where you do your hair makeup wigs mic my table was covered in haribos i always used to have i'd be the person with sweets if you wanted sweets you come to me um, and face. actually my my <laughs> one of my siblings they're still the same 
they're actually in the West End too, and they are the same. Love sugar. So the sugar was at an all-time high. I think that probably changed when I got pregnant and when I maybe was a bit like, oh, you know, as you say, like I've, I've always known about food and obviously being a dancer, you know, you're you're kind of taught a little bit about nutrition, but mostly it was just like I started to think about the food differently because I was like, okay, I'm pregnant. I probably want to fuel my body in a way that's good for the baby and not have, you know, just bags of Haribo. Um, but later on, as I, you know, trained to become a trainer in the, in the fitness industry, and I really started to understand more about, yeah, food as fuel, food as fuel for endurance running, for strength training, and then looking more specifically at women. And so again, I, I, I talk a lot about sink in with your cycle, with how you train and, and looking at your appetite spikes and all these kind of things. So now I'd say I'm a lot more you know, knowledgeable, a lot more clued up on food. But generally, I'd, I think the not just the fitness and wellness industry, but the world in general, there's so much information about food that I think for some people, it's just, it's confusing. They don't know where to start. You know, something's telling you it's high protein, something's talking about gluten-free, vegan, paleo, and people just, I think they don't really know where to start. So it's a really individual thing, you know, nutrition. It's, it's just as as unique as your blood type there's no one diet that's going to be better for you or me or you know it's it's different so in some ways it's like empower yourself with you know knowledge of your own body so that that sometimes requires us to really look and look at what am I eating okay how am I feeling and as you said it might not be that direct impact that day it might be over a week over a month but um yeah it's definitely an individual one and I think the only thing I would I would say, because I wouldn't want to give like advice, I suppose, I'm not a nutritionist, would be that nutrition is very individual to you. So don't mimic, although it's tempting, don't mimic someone else's, you know, what does that person eat? What's their diet plan? You know, the whole what I eat in a day thing is just kind of useless, arbitrary information. And and I think when you're younger, it's not it's not it's not the coolest thing to think about. I think the next generation are very clued up. They are very in tune with their bodies, a lot more in tune with their bodies than than we were but I remember like um I remember <laughs> I remember this random time that I got to go um and party with Major Laser or hang out with Major Laser, shall I say they came and recorded a radio show and they were like let's go out after so I thought it was going to be you know like 20 22 or something 23 it was going to be this wild night out with um you know these these amazing producers who are on a on a world tour and they literally took us to uh, a bar where they proceeded to drink green tea and eat a veget- eat a vegetarian dish, you know. You were gutted. Most, uh, yeah, I was like, what? How? Why? What are we doing? Where's the shots, you know? But in hindsight, I realised that they were playing 300 shows a year and there was no way that they could play those 300 shows a year without them being tricked. You know, without them picking their moments, because I have seen them later down the line and they have, you know, gotten drunk when they've gotten drunk or, you know, whatnot. But in, when you're sort of in it, it's impossible actually to sustain a kind of lifestyle if you're not strict on what you eat, you know, especially when you're when, when you're when you're doing something like a tour or working incredible amounts, you know, and that was an eye opener. Yeah, and exactly that, exactly what you just said is around you know, I think people as well in, in health and wellness anyway, it's it's not, it's an unpopular opinion actually to talk about it in this way because now it's, you know, I'm supposed to say, 
do whatever you want, you know, be intuitive and just do whatever you want because, you know, be kind to yourself. When in reality, for me, being kind to myself is exactly what you just said. It's like, I want to be able to perform at my best. I want to feel my best. I know when I need to deliver something. So why would I want to make it harder for myself by, you know, being hungover or yeah, having loads of caffeine, having loads of sugar. But then of course, like I said, there's those seasons and I'm human. You know, when I went to wilderness this summer, I'm having what I want. You know, I'm drinking, I'm having whatever, because it's like, that's the season. That's it. Cool. Do your thing. But I think overall, it's the overall picture, right? So what's the baseline? What's the foundation? What do you do most of the time? Because what you do sometimes, it doesn't matter, you know, one glass of champagne or 10, you know, one, one massive pizza, what you do sometimes doesn't matter. But if you do it every single day, then it matters. So it's like the the expectations are that we we need to be fit, we need to be eating well, we need to love ourselves, you know, uh, we need to have these amazing careers, um, <laughs> we need to have an amazing home life, don't forget the balance, um, don't forget to be grateful, and be positive. Like, and if you are, I saw a post of yours that you put out on Instagram, and I think we're quite similar in wanting, like we said at the beginning of the podcast, you give 100% to everything, and, you know, sort of learning that those all those sort of acts, you know, all those hats can't can't spin at the same at the same time. Um, to take in all those sort of layers um, in mind, what sort of other acts of wellness can we be doing to actually kind of, you know, free free us up free us up from those kind of shackles of like trying to be perfect? You know, we know we can eat well. We know we can we can work out. And we can move, and there's many other benefits other than the way we look. Um, but what other acts of wellness can we do for ourselves? Yeah, great question. Because I've been thinking about this myself, because as you said, I recently, yeah, I shared a post just being like, being high achieving or people telling you you're smashing it or doing the most. It has its upside for sure. But, you know, it's who I am. It's an eight. It's who I am. But it also, yeah, you have to check yourself when you're like, you're you're not practicing what you preach because you're taking on too much or you're exhausted. So I've been thinking about this myself. And there's two things that I really try and implement when I know that I need to and one is uh white space so I talk about this actually in my book and I basically what I mean when I say white space is that if your diary is full if you've got things blocked all the time you know meeting here work out drop the kids at school do this do this do this then you have to create white space and nothing can go into that space so for, for example this week for me it's Thursday afternoon and it's white space nothing can go into that space no meeting no workout, no phone calls. And then the temptation when you get to it is to go, oh, cool. Like, let me just do some more emails or quickly, like, I don't know, do some laundry. But it's really just having that space, trying not to fill it. And then when you get to it, what do you actually feel like doing? You know, do you feel like listening to music? Do you feel like going for a walk? Do you feel like picking up the phone and phoning in your friend or your mom? Or what do you want to do? But having some white space to actually come up for air before it's before it's really really needed so trying to have that every single I love week that how many hours um it can change but I think like three is, is well this week I have three but yeah sometimes white space for me is a day you know I'm like that is white then I had a day like that recently and I went to a hairdresser I got my hair cut and then I had nothing else in the diary all day and it's just like do that more so that's the first one and the second one is that Post-pandemic, like, I don't know, during the pandemic, obviously we've been in our homes a lot. We've had to do everything in one space, work, work out, you know, homeschool, cook, everything in one space. So post-pandemic, for me, an act of wellness is to kind of 
be curious and get inspired again and go to new spaces. And that could be, you know, an art gallery. And I'm not like an artsy person who goes to, you know, museums and galleries, but actually my friend does. And I was like, okay, cool. Let me go there with her and just get a coffee and walk around and see new things. Like I'm craving, I'm absolutely craving new experiences, new things. I want to see new things. I want to hear new sounds. I want to smell new foods, like just something. You don't have to go to the other side of the world and, you know, do a gap. You don't have to go six months traveling to do that. There's so much we could do that's new. So I think sometimes a change feels like a rest. So yeah, if you, white space would be my first recommendation, but my second one is to get inspired, get curious and go and seek something new. Yeah, that's a good one. My life coach actually, she said, um, come out your house next time and turn the other way. I was like, when you're walking the dog, just, just, just do it. Just make it active effort, like at least once a week to go a different route, just to spice things up. And that was kind of like mid pandemic when it's like, oh, we're just, you know, it's monotonous. It's boring. It's Wednesday again, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I love that. And the white space one, that, that is brilliant. That is, I love that one. I think, oh God, it's so hard to implement, but I think it's really worth it. And, 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 and we deserve that time. Cause yeah. like we said, you can't, you can't be at your optimum. You cannot do the work that you want to do in the best or be the best person that you want to be in your personal life without taking time for yourself and, and, and being a little bit selfish. Um, Adrian, thank you so much. I could talk to you about this all day, and no doubt I want to talk in a you know a few months later down the line because there'll be more more questions and, uh, and, and more thoughts. Um, but it's really great to see all the all the work that you're doing, and thank you for just you know kind of being a, a reminder, a beacon. I think go to Adrian's page if ever you're feeling a little bit lost in in ways to pick yourself up or ways to give yourself time, and uh, and you'll see a post or you'll see an interest that you can you can go away and do sort of instantly to get back on track so thank you oh thanks Jams. wow i felt super motivated just hearing adrian speak even when she's speaking about something like you know mundane or just speaking about general life she, she does it with so much passion and so much vim i i think she's absolutely amazing and one thing that really stood out for me is there is a season for everything. So after hearing that, you might want to go on a 10K run. Um, you might want to, you know, ditch the booze. You might want to go to bed early and wake up at 5 a.m. But it's about recognising the season that you're in because there will be a season for boozing. There will be a season for partying and there will be a season for late nights. Now, another thing I also took away from that is white space. Blocking out those moments in your calendar Thanks for being here for this episode of the DIY Handbook. I've been Jam Supernova. And if you like what you heard, then just let me know. Leave a review, talk to me on socials, and please, please subscribe because there's more great information, stories, and advice to come in future episodes.